What's your audio? Yeah, what's your audio position? I am at um I'm at about twenty four twenty seven to eighteen. No, 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 no. at the bottom in terms of in terms of time. Like your audio position. You see the bottom. Oh sorry, 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 okay. sorry, 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 sorry. I'm about to hit thirty. Okay, yeah, we're pretty much dead on speed. Okay. Sorry about that. No, 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 it's good. I was just very confused. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Let's podcast. I was taking a drink of water. You must have me spit it out when that came on. Let's go. Where'd he go? At one thirty. Okay. I really wish I was going to turn that shit off. Turn your sound off? No, the uh, Penn State wrestling thing. I guess I can mute my fucking laptop. That would do it. We're good. I'm an idiot. Welcome to this episode of Black Shoe Diaries Matcast. I'm Garrett Carr. He's Clay Sourteague. Clay, how are you? I'm good. Glad to be back. and glad to have some real wrestling in my life. Yeah, and, uh, you know, speaking of being back, uh, we've had a really uh, big outpouring of support these first two episodes. So I just wanted to thank everyone for listening. We've had roughly 2,000 uh, downloads the first two episodes, which is uh, some huge numbers. So, so thank you, everyone, for uh, listening to the podcast. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I just want to... So thank everybody and uh, thank uh, definitely the Penn State wrestlers for giving us some good stuff to talk about too. That's right. And uh, quickly, uh, before we go any further, Clay, uh, can you tell the listeners where they can find the podcast uh, to subscribe? You can find the podcast uh, on Matt Talk Online. It can be found on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on Spreaker. And I believe you can access us directly through Libsyn, although don't quote me on that one. Yep, absolutely. I think you hit it all. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so let's get into some wrestling action. Uh, obviously, on Friday, Penn State went up to, to West Point and got the season underway against uh, Army, the Black Knights. And uh, dominant win. Hey, you can't, you can't ask for much more than a shutout. Um, good to have Penn State wrestling back. Guys look great. Um, honored to be up there and wrestle against those guys. Uh, squad talked about what an honor it was to compete up there and to interact with those guys. Uh, just a really good time all around. Yeah, uh, everything everything really looked good from Penn State wrestler's side. And, you know, Army has some decent kids. You know, they're not a bottom-of-the-barrel team in Division One. They're probably, you'd have to say, in the top half. So, I mean, it was a really, really impressive win. Absolutely. I mean, 45 nothing was the score. Shut out. Plenty of bonus. Dominated the takedowns, I believe. I saw the Army only had three takedowns the entire match. Um, just a really, really comprehensive victory and really impressive way to state that you have no intention of giving up that team title. Yeah, so uh, let's start with uh, Nick Siriano. Uh, he majors. Uh, Trey Talifu of Army, 15-4. to uh, in his debut, and, you know, really solid debut for the true freshman. I've been ranting and raving now about this kid for probably close to a year, as Garrett can attest to. 
um, showed everything in the arsenal, really. And he's only going to get better. It's ridiculous to think that that was this kid's first match in college. Um, really just ground Chalice down. Uh, showed what he can do on his feet. Showed that he can really, really ride. Uh, one of the thicker through the chest 125-pounders that you'll see. Um, I think Suriyana is going to be a problem. I mean, we'll touch on it later in the pod about just how good he is already. But he pretty much made his mark from day one, showing that he's not somebody to be messed with. No, absolutely not. And then, um, you know, we go to 133. Another kid with a debut, Jared Cortez, Jaybird. Um, he majors Austin Harry. Um, Cortez looks like a hammer on top early on. I just want to point this out before we get too far into it. For as much as we rag on uh, our next uh, wrestler, Jimmy Golovin, for his hair, Jared Cortez has some fa- fantastic flow. So congrats on that, Jared, on top of being an outstanding wrestler. Um, on the wrestling standpoint, uh, dominated Austin Harry, 14-1 to victory. Probably going to be upset with himself that he didn't come out with the tech there, came really close to it, and couldn't get a late takedown. But just an absolute hammer on top, uh, as you said. Really, really strong. Um, worked with a number of different tilts. Uh, worked a little power half, I believe, in there. That I'm sure he picked up some, some pointers from Zane on. But uh, he's going to be a real problem again with, with some of the top guys, even at 133, just with his strength and with his length. And then we go to 141, and uh, one of the more anticipated matches of the meet, uh, Jimmy Goulbon against friend of the podcast and Army captain Logan Everett. And, um, you know, Everett had come off a really big week where he had beat Joey Ward, a top 10 kid from UNC, and then wrestled Matt Kalazic, who's Clay's national championship pick at 141 tough. But, you know, Jimmy just passed him 17 to 6. Jimmy looked good. Jimmy was aggressive in the ties. He was able to finish shots pretty quickly. He didn't wear down the stretch. Um, really impressive set of backs at the end, knowing that he had a chance to pick up bonus. That was the most aggressive Jimmy Golovin we've seen since the end of the 2014-2015 season. Yeah, really impressive there from Jimmy. Uh, Zane did Zane things, uh, though he did he didn't get the pin, which was uh, surprising. But a 21 to three tech, you really can't complain about. Yeah. Um, to be in the interest of full disclosure, I was not able to watch this match live. I had to go back and watch it. And when I saw that Zane was only up 3-1 after the first period, I was um, a little terrified and really, really confused. Um, you know the Mr. Krabs meme where he looks really, really uh, just disoriented? That was me when I saw that Zane was only up 3-1 after one period. Uh, Bob reference, okay. It uh, didn't stay that way for long, did it? Um, second period, he just absolutely turned it on. I think he went into the third period up like 16 to 3 or something like that, and ended up getting attacked, getting attacked in, the, uh, in the third period. Again, just dominant from the most dominant wrestler in the country. Now, Clay, we talked about it. One of, our, uh, one of our most popular features we want for this podcast is going to be t- called What Did Jason Nolf Do? And, Clay, tell us, what did Jason Nolf do? Jason Knoll played with his food a little bit and then decided to stick Russ Parsons, a very good Russ Parsons, with a nearside cradle about two-thirds of the way through the first period. Um, gave up a takedown, which, as we saw for Knoll opponents, 
don't don't do that. You just make life worse on, worse on yourself. We've seen it before. Good things don't happen when you take Jason Milf down. Um, hello, Brian Murphy. You've seen how that works. Just just don't. Russ Parsons got a takedown. Uh, it was 4-4 there for a while. Milf got a takedown to make it uh, 6-4. And went to cut Parsons. And Parsons uh, probably should have taken the opportunity to get up a little quicker because Jason Milf was having none of it as he locked up that cradle and took him over for the fall. Yeah, Nolf, uh he's going to be a lot of fun this year. Yeah, the official hashtag on that, by the way, which uh, I, I coined last year, is hashtag just Nolf things. So if anybody wants okay. to uh, anybody wants to use that, again, hashtag just Nolf things for the year. All right, okay. And then at 165, another debut, uh, Vinny Joseph used about 148 high crotch shots to uh, – to get the tech fall, I had a friend at the match, and he said to me, he said, Joseph looks good, but you got to wonder what the other kid's doing, considering every single shot uh, Joseph uses a high crotch, and the kid still doesn't know it's coming. Well, it's funny you say that, because there's a couple of um, parallels I've seen now with Joseph and Olympic team member um, Frank Molinaro. Vinny just looks like a... A kind of super jacked Frank. Like if you blew Frank up a little more, he gave him some more height. Um, works that high crotch really well. He's uh, really kind of muscled up, really strong on top. Um, both got that Italian blood, low fire in him. Uh, Vinny looked outstanding. Yeah, certainly wrestled better Friday night than he did on Sunday. Um, and then Gino Morelli. Um, uh, not pretty, but gets the 6-4 win uh, against Ben Harvey. And then we get to Bo Nickel, and he took about 25 seconds, and that was all we saw of Bo Nickel. I feel like Gino Morelli's nickname should be not pretty, but because I feel like I've said that again maybe 10, 20 times about his matches, but if you get the job done, you, you get the job done. The name of the game is winning, and he certainly did it. Um, you mentioned Bo. Bo wasn't playing now, was he? That, that was an no. angry, angry Bo Nickel. I mean, we've seen... Bo was an angry Bo Nickel this, this year from what I've seen. That, that was kind of terrifying to the point where I was like, oh, I'm a little worried for the kid on the mat with him because we've, we've always seen the skill and he's a bit fiery, but he went out there pissed and just kind of yanked this kid off his feet and onto his back in 25 seconds, which... You shouldn't be able to do that to another man your size. No. Matt McCutcheon at his new weight at 197. <laughs> he gets the win over number 11, Rocco Kaywood. Uh, not that pretty, but 4-2. Uh, and uh, you beat a kid ranked higher than you. We'll always take it. And then we get to 285, Nick Nevels. Um, an overmatch, wrestles an overmatch, David Farr. Uh, it was like 10 nothing before you blinked. Ended up 17-2. Good start to the season for Neville's. That was a really, really sound win for Matt McCutcheon. I don't want to overlook how big of a win that is. Kaywood's a lengthy guy who you could see possibly giving McCutcheon some problems. I'm not convinced that McCutcheon actually weighs 197 yet. I'm not sure what he's actually weighed in at, but I would imagine it's probably closer to like 192, 193. Um, definitely was the shorter man. Just wrestled a really, really intelligent match. Um, as Matt comes up to weight and is more naturally a 197 pounder, 
I think you'll see a little more offense, but he worked angles well. Um, was really surprisingly for me really good in the ties against a kid who should be stronger than he is. Um, that's a really, really impressive win for me by Matt, by Matt McCutcheon in his first matchup at 197. Yeah, and then Neville's looked good too. Uh, I did see though, Kaywood had a rough weekend. He lost again yesterday too to the, to, to, to some kid from Drexel. I, hey, that's a surprise to me because Rocco Kaywood's solid. He doesn't put himself in many bad positions. He wrestles through positions pretty well, and he's built like a brick. You know what? So that's all right. So a, a good win. wrestler of the match. Uh, for me. It's. I, I think I was most impressed probably with Cortez. Uh, no offense to Bo, but I think we expect it from Bo, even if, I mean, 25 seconds. We expect it from Nolf, we expect it from James. We didn't know what to expect from Cortez, and he was essentially every bit as dominant as the other guys that we mentioned. I got to go with Jimmy. I thought he looked real good. Hey, I'm not going to argue it. You be the right guy, especially with a lot of people on your back and a lot of people doubting you. Good for Jim. So I moved to Sunday, and uh, you know, before you know, of course, before any Penn State wrestling meet at Red Call, you got to start off with uh, going over the, over, the, over to the Nittany Lion Inn at Whiskers, and I had a lot of people come up to me and talking about the podcast. So if you're one of those people at Whiskers talking about the podcast, shout out to you right now, Clay. Are you uh, are you the type of guy that goes over to the Nittany Lion Inn uh, before the before the match? Absolutely. Uh, a side note, the Nittany Lion Inn is one of my mother's favorite hotels, so I will always uh, plug them pretty well. Uh, always a good time at Whiskers, always a good time interacting with other Penn State wrestling fans who are always interested in conversation and just really, really pleasant, really good people. And they're, by the way, they're not sponsoring this podcast. I just, I like the Nittany Lion Inn, so I thought I'd talk about it. Hey. Again, like I said, I will never pass on an opportunity to plug the Nittany Lion in. But uh, as you mentioned, Penn State returning home, and it was really, really good to see them back in Rec Hall, and really, really good to see the atmosphere that's always one of the best, if not the best, in the nation. Yeah, uh, we got another sellout crowd, 65-44. I had a friend, a freshman student here at Penn State, and she, it was her first it was our first time Penn State wrestling, and I told her, I was like, a lot of people are going to be here, like, this is serious, and, like, she still, like, until she got in there, was like, holy cow, like, you weren't kidding, like, a lot of people care about this. For like, an yeah. example of how many people care about uh, about Penn State wrestling, I was covering a football game Friday night in, in outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and a girl in the press box was wearing a Penn State wrestling hoodie, so we're uh, well represented out there. Yeah, I asked her to to compare a Penn State wrestling experience and the Penn State basketball experience because we went to the basketball game the other night. She gave the Penn State basketball experience a 1 out of 10 and gave Penn State wrestling a 7. So, hey, I'll take it. As someone who is a noted Penn State basketball pessimist, I liked her answer. Hey, I'm not going to knock down my, my friends over at uh, Legion of Blue, but again, I think uh, Rec Hall is probably the best atmosphere for any sport on the campus, uh, great for volleyball, great for wrestling, uh, just some really, really good fans and some of the best atmosphere in the country. Now, one thing that was a little different at Rec Hall is that uh, we didn't start at 125. I was at the, 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 
Penta Wrestling Club banquet before the match, and Kale had actually mentioned that he was going to try to talk the Stanford coaches who like to draw random to start, um, to start at 125, but apparently he couldn't talk him into it. So we started at 165, and we didn't start well. No, we didn't. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned that's kind of a trait that Stanford likes to do. They kind of pull things around, play things around a bit. Um, started at 165 last year in their duel. Last year was Shakur Rashid losing to Jim Wilson. And uh, it was a, a slow start. Uh, Vincenzo Joseph taking on Keaton Subject. And off the whistle, Vincenzo pancaked six, down six nothing. Escaped ten seconds later, headlock six down comes out gets down twelve to two, and uh, I think the crowd was probably a bit stunned there because I know I I certainly was. I didn't I mean I just think we were just kind of like oh like okay, and then like the second time we're like okay Senza what are you doing like stop that I'm like the person behind me was like. Uh, Let's see if he gets caught in that again. After the second one, I'm like, well, if he does, the match is over. Because, I mean, it had been a tech fall right then. But, yeah. Chenzo really, we've seen before, he kind of likes to go upper body. and definitely has a strength. Um, fought back really well. Down 12-2, got a takedown to cut 12-4. Should have had four backs to cut 12-8. Um, referee Nate Chapman kind of uh, was sleeping a bit on that one. Um, fought back the rest of the, rest of the match. Uh, got the legs a few times. Avoided... Any bonus points, cut to 18-12 was, was the final score he lost by. Um, overall, not particularly concerned with Chenzo. I think he wrestled like a, a freshman. I think he made some mistakes, but I, I think you also saw that he was probably the better wrestler in that match, not to knock Keaton Subject, and just did not wrestle a smart match. I think you're, as a coach, it's frustrating but as a fan, you're a bit more comfortable saying, okay, Chenzo's still a very, very talented wrestler and just made a mistake, and he's going to learn from that in 30-plus matches throughout the year. Yeah, he was just the personification of a dumb freshman. Yeah, that was a... We'll go sloppy. Sloppy was the word that I used to describe it on Sunday, and sloppy was the word that I'm going to use now. But um, my level of concern for Chenzo on a scale of 1 to 10 is... Probably a one and a half. And then we go to Gino, not pretty, but Morelli. And uh, he, he beats number 13, Jim Wilson, six to three. Uh, gets the Lions on the board. Wasn't pretty, but Wilson <laughs> never really threatened to score. It was everything that we kind of hope that Gino can be. Um, he has a bit limited offense, hasn't really opened it up much, but. He did everything that he does well, very, very well. He maintained position. He was aggressive. He forced a stall call. He worked well in the ties. Didn't let Wilson get through his head hands defense. Um, rode really well. That was about probably as good a match as we've seen from Gio Morelli in his little over a year wrestling for Penn State. I heard, well, not heard, but I read a lot of people on the message boards have been saying that we we got to get the pit out of him. And because, uh, of course, he's a pit transfer and pit likes to not score points. And it seems like we're, we're, we're starting to get the pit out of him a little bit. Slowly but surely. He, he definitely uh, showed a little more offense. Probably could have finished one or two more shots. Uh, if I recall correctly, he was in deep at one point and didn't get the finish. But again, Jim Wilson's a really talented guy. I believe a former All American, ranked number 13 in the country. 
Um, that's a really good win for Gino, especially a confidence building win. We go to 184. Bo Nickel came out angry. Clay, I think at some point this year, I want a Bo snap down. Someone's going to bleed from their tongue because they're going to hit the mat and bite their tongue. Like, he's snapping down so hard right now on, on kids' heads. It's incredible. <laughs> that's a lot prettier than the picture that I assume because. I thought you were going to say he's going to pull down and the guy's head is just going to come off. You're going to end, with the, end up with the body and shoulders because poor Austin Flores, by about four minutes into this match, did not want to be on that mat at all. No, not at all. Uh, Bo picked up the fall, I believe. Uh, 621 um, was up. Uh, I believe he was about, about to collect the tech fall and locked up yeah. a near side cradle. I don't know whether he and uh, he and Nolf have a competition going there, but it was pretty looking as well, and took Flores to his back, and that was that. And then we go to 97, McCutcheon. Uh, not pretty, but 3-2, okay, we'll take it. Again, um, another kind of deceivingly tough competitor, Josh Marchok, uh, coming down from heavyweight, for Stanford, so significantly, significantly larger wrestler. That's why that kid was so short. Um, very, very kid talented wrestler, I believe, from Blair Academy out here in New Jersey. Uh, you'll have to double-check me on that one. But coming down from heavyweight, really big guy, really, really strong, thick guy. Um, had to put himself in danger uh, once towards the end of the match, but he showed again why he's just a savvy, savvy wrestler, and for somebody that's been wrestling 197 now for two matches, um, he's only going to get more and more comfortable. So two wins is about all you can really ask for. And he looked pretty good doing both of them. You know those old commercials? I can't remember who it was, but it was like, I pick things up, I put them down. Yes, it was a Planet Fitness workout. and Okay, or Planet yeah, Fitness well, that's commercial, like Josh Marchuk. Josh Marchuk was actually the gentleman in that commercial. Yeah, like, I pick things up, I put them down. Like, that's just what he looked like. I don't know. Okay. The size differential there was just ridiculous. And again, it yeah. was just a fantastic performance um, from Cuts getting used to the new weight. Then we go to Nick Nevels. He faces off against the actual heavyweight, Nathan Butler, number 10. Nevels shows off some good defense late, wins 3-1. Good win, better entrance music. Uh, for those of you who are pro wrestling inclined, Nick Nevels is now walking out to the Big Show's entrance music, which is both hilarious and incredible. So props to Nick if you're listening. Um, that's an outstanding choice of entrance music. Um, really worked his offense well. Takedown in the first, I believe, and got the ride out. Um, put himself in a bit of trouble in the third, which was a, a bit worrisome. I think that'll get coached out of him, but... Butler didn't show much in the way of offense, and I think Nick uh, really showed that he's acclimating to a piece down the weight. He's down from around 263 last year to around 250. I'm um, sure being able to work out completely doesn't hurt that. Um, Nick's going to be a problem this year and looks about as good as we can hope for his first few real, real matches back from injury. Yeah, uh, Nevels looks good. Uh, he should get stronger as the year goes on. I heard, and this is just total rumor, but the guy behind me at the match said that he heard he was he only weighed in like two fifty one. That's total rumor, but it doesn't. I mean that that doesn't seem far off either. 
We read about, uh, well, I was here around 250.3, so 251 sounds, sounds about right. Okay, yeah. So then we have the intermission. Nothing happened during the intermission. Typically, they have some entertainment during the intermission, but did they give out? I was a little little sad. Did they give out wings over gift cards? Because if they're not doing any that anymore, then they're really missing a trick. No, no wings over. They did some T-shirt tosses after pins. Come on, Rockall, you're slacking. Gotta give me the wings over. Would you ever get one? I did not, but I had friends that caught caught them, and uh, again, really good parts of the intermission, but. The best part of this match was probably posting a mission, huh? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Seriano against uh, Connor Schramm. A local kid. Had a lot of fans in the arena. Of course, he went to Cannon McMillan High School. Clay, trivia question. Home of what recent Penn State great linebacker? Oh, you're going to lose me here. Uh, I want to say Dan Connor, but I can't be sure. Michael. <sighs> Again, just it's a rich tradition right. out there, but uh, Dan Connor went to oh, I don't can't remember Penn Hills. Anyways. Penn Hills. Was Penn Dan Hills. Connor. That's right. But uh, Paul Pozlowski went to Hope Well. Back to wrestling. Um, Nick Soriano. What can you say about the kid? I'll say stuff about him. Um, he's got really good defense. I, I I told my friend. I don't know if anyone's gonna take him down all year. The best defense might be a good offense, and even though he only put up three points, um, Nick Sergano had really, really good offense. Um, the head taps, again, enough to drive somebody insane. I'm surprised Shram didn't just swing on him. Yeah, let's not call those head taps. That's like head mauling. Constantly working on the head, constantly moving forward. He, um, he's face-mushing the other kid while standing up. Not to knock Shram. I think Shram's a, a very talented wrestler, but... That was a dominant 3 nothing performance, um, and I really don't think yeah. there's any disputing it. Soriano was never in trouble. He looked like he could have probably got to his offense more if he needed to. Um, didn't put himself in danger with a, a scrambling Connor Schramm. Um, that was just clinical. I mean, you see those type of performances from juniors and seniors, not from true freshmen in their second matches. The, the Stanford coach was not happy with how Connor Schramm wrestled this one. I, to paraphrase his comments post match, basically he said that he expects Shram to compete for national championship this year, and that's not how Connor Shram looked. And the thing is, I don't even know where, whether it was a conscious thing on Connor Shram in terms of wrestling defensively, but we saw this in high school with Suriana. Suriana forces himself on you, he forces you to wrestle his style, he forces you backwards, and he forces you to get aggressive. And he just put Connor Schramm in a position that Connor Schramm didn't want to be in for seven minutes. And it was, I was blown away. I mean, it was everything that I thought Nick Soriano would and could be. I'm not sure that I would want to put him up necessarily up against the Gilman today. But when you think that he's going to have months and months more seasoning to him, I'm very, very excited for where Nick Soriano could be come tournament time. And not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but. I my high expectations are again as high as ever. Yeah, he looks really good, uh, for sure. We go to 133. Jared Cortez, his rec hall debut, and he was pumped up. He came out and just worked Russo. He was jazzed, wasn't he? Uh, that was the most energy I've seen from a Penn State wrestler for a long, long time. And I don't mean the guys come out flat, but in terms of just sheer emotion. 
maybe not since Zane beat Steber in Red Claw, have I seen somebody that amped up? Um, Cortez just—he's a hammer. I would—I do not envy anybody that has to go under him. And I think, you, excuse me, you may even see that later in the season if he continues to work those halves and work those tilts that you're going to see guys who don't go under Jared Cortez because it spells doom. I mean, I think he's right there in that top tier at 133. I said going into the season, I thought that it was um, Corey Clark and Nathan Tomasello and Zane Richards, and then there was a tier below that, and I thought Jared Cortez was in that. I still think he's probably in that four to five range, not because he can't be better, but because I, I get to see it, and I don't know the level of competition he faced was not particularly strong this weekend, but... I definitely think he could do some damage, and his ability to ride could be very, very important in close matches down the stretch. I mean, he looks good in his feet, too, though. He did. And, um, there was a lot of talk about sorry, or Cortez wrestling 141, not necessarily over Golovan, but he wrestled a couple matches there at the end of last season, and I think it just shows that he's a, he's a thickly built 133 who's really, really long. And I think that's going to give a lot of guys problems. He reminds me a little bit of um, AJ Shop when AJ Shop was at 133 for Edinburgh. Yeah, that's a good comparison. AJ Shop, who I believe is a Center County native. Is he? He is. And it's just a really, a really, really I good I thought that business. was Mitchell Poor. I could be wrong. You might be correct. But, um,. If, no, you're right. Tyrone, you're right. So they're both Center County kids. If Jared Cortez can do what AJ Shop did, we will be very, very happy as Penn State fans. And I see a lot of Shop-isms in what he does. That's crazy how both those kids are uh, Center County boys. Um, yeah, let's go to 141. Jimmy Goulbon did not win. He didn't. Um, and I should be a little more upset also. Shout out Tyrone, PA, who's in Blair County, not Center County. We love you, Tyrone, but you don't get the benefit of the doubt there. Um, Goulibon, local. Very. And I'm not, I, I guess I should be upset, but Jimmy Goulibon is what we thought he was going into the season. I, I said to you before we got on air here that he reminds me of the old Danny Green quote, uh, rest in peace, Danny Green, great football coach from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and of the Arizona Rest Cardinals. Um, he is who he thought he was. He's going to be able to beat some of those guys ranked around where he is, maybe beat some of the guys up up through the 6, 7, 8 range, but he's just not on the level of guys like McKenna and Ashton and Kyle. Um, was it a little upsetting to see him not be able to really compete much? Yes, I would love to see Jimmy come out and be a national title contender, but Jimmy is Jimmy. Um, you don't really see guys make huge steps necessarily between their junior and senior year, and I think you're kind of seeing that with, with Goldman. I think you may see him be a little more consistent in terms of cutting out bad losses, but he just doesn't necessarily have the arsenal either from neutral or getting out from bottom to beat guys like McKenna. And it stinks. It's really yeah, bottom. It, it stinks. Him. Yes. It's but bottom that screws. It, it's him. not. He just can't get out from bottom against good riders. Period. I mean, I mean, he could. I mean, 
I, I I've seen him wrestle matches where if there were time limits on wrestling, he'd still be laying on bottom. Like we, he would not. He still would not have gotten out. We saw it last year with was it Terry Crews I think at one forty one or Randy Crews yeah. at one forty one. We saw it last year with Javier Gasca from Michigan State at one forty one. National. It's just it's not something that he does well, and I think Penn State fans well. They have a right to be upset. I mean, they should root for the kid. Um, I don't think they should be surprised. I don't think this is anything new from Jimmy Golobon. And I think it was kind of hopeful on that part that he would figure it out. But it's just, it is, Jimmy is who Jimmy is. And I think we, we saw a little more about McKenna. Maybe he improves, maybe he doesn't. But I wasn't shocked or overly disappointed. We go to 149. And our first time this year hearing the Johnny Clash, the Johnny Cash classic, Folsom Prison Blues, that signifies that it's time for Zane Rutherford to wrestle and for Zane Rutherford to win. And he did win. The nice thing about Jimmy Golobon being really frustrating is that he wrestles at 141, which means you get to watch Zane Rutherford wrestle behind him. So yes, your disappointment so immediately is just like, okay, we're good. Because Jane Rutherford's going to get six points, so it's good enough for both of them. But um, the poor look on Tommy Pawleski's face from Stanford. Oh, when he got cracked I have a great over, screenshot of this. I have, um, Remind me to send it to you. I've seen wrestlers break guys. I've seen Alex Derringer put, put guys in really uncomfortable positions. I've seen Morgan McIntosh with bow and arrows put guys in really uncomfortable positions. But the faces that Zane Rutherford makes his opponents make because of just the pain and the sheer uncomfortableness there is maybe my favorite part about watching Zane Rutherford wrestle. Yeah, it's tremendous. But uh, a pin there, um, Duel was sealed up already. Duel was sealed up after after the Cortez win. But a pin there moved to 36 um, and just the beatdown was on there. And then we get to our favorite segment. What did Jason Nolf do? Clay, what did Jason Nolf do? Jason Nolf won by fall. Fall. <laughs> one by yes, fall. One by fall again. And he did, uh, again, hashtag just Nolf things. Uh, Paul Fox did something dumb. Now, what did Paul Fox do that was stupid? He took Jim, or he took Jason down. Don't do that. We, we, how many times do I got to say? I feel like a parent scolding a child. Don't do it. It's not going to end well. You will have consequences. And we saw a mean Jason Nolf. I have seen Jason Nolf cut people before, but I mean, he was pretty much whipping Fox like a government mule. It was just, that was a nasty, angry, motivated Jason Nolf. And I think we'd seen before what he can do, but I don't know that I kind of expected that, that nasty side from him. You're talking about breaking kids. He had that kid broke. Like, in stoppages, that kid did not want to get back to the center. I was yelling at the kid to get back to the center. If you're at the match, you probably heard me. Um, like, of course, Nolf is kind of a... What's the word I want to use here? That's appropriate for the podcast. Nolf makes a point about getting back to the center very fast when his opponent is tired. Yeah, he's a quick son of him, you know. Yes. Um, and... His opponent is walking back. Noel standing there waiting to inflict pain. Well, we saw at one it's point... It's beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Fox, Fox was so slow getting back to the center that I believe he got uh, a stall point given up because he just would not get set. 
he he almost got stalled out of the match. Yeah, I, I believe he had three stall calls against him and, and four. Yeah, one four, more, right? One, one more stalls him out. Uh, as, I mean, at that point, he was just standing up just to get taken down to end the match. <laughs> he, was, he was. He was. I mean, it was, it was very, very sad for Paul Fox and very, very happy for Jason Nolf, who just looks like he's going to be a terror all season. But wrapped it up, gave Penn State a 36-6 win. And a really, really fantastic first weekend of the season. And I assume we're in agreement here. Wrestler of the match, Nick Soriano. Yeah, you can't argue with that. Nick Soriano was outstanding and stamped his mark on the division uh, about as early as you can. And that's who won the Ridge Riley too, was Nick Soriano. So. Yeah, again, as we said, there was no other <laughs> real logical choice. When you come in as a true freshman and beat the number four kid in the country and beat him pretty dominantly, you sent your message loud and clear. Yeah, just outstanding uh, performance by him. So that caps off the first week of action for Penn State. Uh, they did some good things. Uh, the number one good thing they did was win twice. And uh, yeah, so they're going to move on, uh, start this out 2-0, and overall record of 18-2. and um, But Clay, we had a couple kids um, wrestling of no unattached at the Bearcat Open in Binghamton on Sunday. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, um, traditionally a pretty, pretty big tournament. We've seen kids go before from Penn State, um, known for really, really large fields. I believe some kids were wrestling eight matches over the course of the day, which is just Absurd. If you're going to do that, please separate your tournament to two days. It's best for the wrestlers and it's best for the coaches. But on a Penn State note, um, two kids walk away with technically undefeated records. Um, Gary Dinmore, I believe, was at 141, I think. Uh, went 4-1, and one, but the one loss was to a non-collegiate opponent, so that won't count. Uh, got to the final, but the biggest takeaway from Bearcat was obviously Mark Hall. Um, first real action as a Penn State line wrestler. Five in the hole, wins the tournament. Two falls, one tech, and a major in the final. Um, semifinal went, went 6-3. Um, that was a little interesting, kind of caught my attention. But again, first five matches in his college career and goes 5-0. It looks pretty dominant doing it. So, um it definitely makes the situation at 174 interesting, which we were going to want to talk about. Yeah, 174 is really, really interesting. Uh, there's a lot of rumors on, on who won that that wrestle-off. There are some rumors out there that, that, that Brill has even uh, won the wrestle-offs in the room and is suffering from an injury. No one really knows what's up at 174. Yeah, um, a current situation, I believe I have, we've got Gino Tuno. Um Gino looks pretty darn good, honestly. Um, as solid as ever. Showing that he can beat a former All-American good competition in Wilson. Um, Shakur Rashid's supposed to be up there. Um, was supposed to compete in Binghamton. We're hearing that he has a knee injury that kept him out. So hopefully that's not too serious for Shaq if he can get back. Um, I'd love to see what he can do. Uh, we saw Mark Hall go 5-0. We saw, you said Brill might be out with an injury. Um... Just yeah, no, Br- Brill is out with an injury. A lot of, a lot of depth at 174. Um, coming into the season, it was understood that before 
we knew that, or after we knew that Bo was going up, that Gino and Shakur would kind of compete for that situation. Um, Kale Sanderson and I, a little while back, that the plan was to redshirt Mark Hall. Um, my understanding is that the plan is still to redshirt Mark Hall, but it's not out of the question that he comes out. Um, coaches are really hoping that Gino or Shaq kind of takes the reins there. Um, Shakur is really a bit behind the eight ball now with that injury. You never want to see that be a cause for a kid to kind of maybe lose out on a spot. But um, I think the Gino win against Jim Wilson goes a pretty long way to helping ensure that he keeps that position to mark the redshirt. But we'll definitely have to see where it goes from here on out. Yeah, I think it's interesting, especially if the rumors about Brill looking so good before the injury are true. Because, you know, Brill's a talented kid. I mean, between the three of them, Gino, Brill, and Rashid, you could argue that Brill was the most accomplished wrestler coming out of high school out of the three of them. Um, so, you know, if Brill's healthy, that'd be interesting to see who ends up there. Yeah, Brill was a, a fantastic high school wrestler. Only one loss, I believe, over his last two years to Chance Marsteller in the finals this senior year. Um, there was talk out of the room last year that he beat Nickel in the wrestle-off, so... That's saying a lot. Um, just a really, really, it seems muddy, but it's a really, really good situation for Penn State at 174. It's muddy, but it's like a mud facial. Like it's good, it's like it's good for you, mud. Yeah, it's a, we have a mud bath of 174 talent. Right. It's, it's, it's good muddy. Um, other than that, we, we had some, some pretty interesting takeaways from the weekend. Um, what do you think was, what were your biggest takeaways and some of the things you thought were good, bad, concerning? Uh, what were your takeaways from the weekend for all of Penn State wrestling? Things that are good. Angry Bo Nickel. Yeah, Angry Bo is scary. And Bo looks every bit the 184 pounder that he wanted to be. Also, um, things that are good. Zane Rutherford is on our team. Also good. Um, I would include that for Jason Knowles. Um, Zane, hey, Zane is pretty much a guaranteed 20, 24, 25 team points at NCAAs. Yeah, that's probably... Like, mark it down right now, 24 team points, Penn State. We're already up 24 nothing to start the tournament. You get, what, 20 points for a first-place finish, and then you get advancement points. If you include bonus... 16. 16 uh, points. Six, 16 for a placing, first, plus the advancement points. And he's going to get So bonus. it's 20 points, but it's 16 points for first. Yeah, it's nice to have those guys on your team come tournament time. But uh, Penn State answered some questions, I thought, this weekend. Um, and they answered in the affirmative in Nick Suriano and in, um, in Jared Cortez. It was a big loss to the front line by having a returning national champion in Nico Megalus and by having an All-American Jordan Conway. It looks like they might have a national champion and an All-American. I say that really, really tentatively, but it's it's hard not to get excited. I mean, jokingly, I, I talk about Soriano as a national champion, but there's some some talent there, and we saw some really outstanding things at 125 and 133. And speaking of Nico Megalutis, he will be on the podcast here within the next month or so. I talked to Nico this weekend. So uh, send in your questions on the comments here of things you want uh, to ask Nico um, when he's going to be on the podcast. Nico is 
gracious enough to come on the podcast. We're going to schedule that uh, soon. He's, he's going to Russia in about two weeks, so we're going to look for some time after he comes back from Russia. But certainly in December, um, Nico Megalulis will be joining Black Shoe Diaries and Madcast. That's outstanding news. Um, a big weekend for Nico this past week. Uh, won the 57-kilogram bracket at the Bill Farrell Invitational at the New York Athletic Club. Um, so good to see Nico have continued success and look forward to speaking with him on the pod. Yeah, great, great kid, Nico. Um, all right, let's look ahead to the Keystone Classic. Uh, Clay, tell us about the Keystone Classic at the Palestra. Um, first tournament of the year for Penn State. Shouldn't really be challenged. Um, I believe it's an 8 or 9 team tournament. Uh, Penn's going to be there, obviously. Pitt will be there. St. Francis. Um, I want to say Brown. No real heavy hitters. Um, I'm not sure what you're going to have in terms of um, big matchups for Penn State. Um, at 133, I believe Penn has Penn has some talent there. Um, but just really good to get our guys into a tournament setting, getting the multiple matches in a weekend. Um, you're not going to get to see, I believe, because of the rules, you won't see Mark Hall wrestle, which kind no. of stinks. Um, I don't believe you can see Shaq either, but I'm not completely sure about the rules there. Um, well, I mean, you might see Shaq if he's the kid that enters. It's just you can only enter one kid, I think. Yeah, I can't imagine they wouldn't give, give Gino a shot, given his 2 minute start and then warm the wrestle off. And it's funny, I'm reading the uh, the press release for the for the Keystone Classic from Pitt Athletic Department. And they're not talking about Pitt coming. They're talking about uh, Penn State coming. Uh Penn State is the highlight of this, obviously. But I think it's funny that, you know, we're the crown jewel of someone else's tournament. Hey, we won Bama. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe. Maybe not. But, uh, um, again, Penn State, really good to get them into a tournament setting. If you haven't been to the Palestra and you're in the area, I would highly recommend it. Outstanding, outstanding old college sports venue. Really good food in Philly, too. Again, another excuse to get down there. Um, very happy to to get down there and reach uh, a large fan base of ours that you know, lives in southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, really want to see how Cortez and Soriano hold up over five matches. I believe it's five matches. I want to see how Matt McCutcheon does in, in a tournament setting. So there's definitely questions to be answered. I mean, it, it's one thing to see in the duel. It's another to see it over a course of a bunch of matches. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, I don't know if it'll be five matches. There's only 12 teams coming, so it seems like to me it'll be like a four-match thing. But, uh, I mean, nonetheless, unless it's a different format than, like, a, a bracket format. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. So it'll be interesting to see our guys um, get some work and get a lot of, a, a lot of time on the mat, hopefully out there. Or if you guys like Jason Nolf, Bo Nickel, Sam Rutherford, maybe not as much time on the mat. Well, Nolf likes to play with his tube before he eats it, so he'll get his work in, I'm sure. It wouldn't shock me. But again, uh, jumping around the country, we kind of skipped over this a bit. Um, some notes from around the country. Uh, 174, I thought, again, Zahid Valencia won a matchup with Ethan Ramos. This weekend at the uh, Journeyman Classic, I believe, in New York. 
Um, it was close, wasn't it? It was. It was 11-10s, and he jumped out to what I think was a 10-3 lead, and Ramos charged hard. So it would be interesting to kind of keep an eye on the gas tank of Zahid Valencia. Um, you saw Jose Rodriguez wrestle for Ohio State. Um, dropped the close match. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure who he dropped the match to again, but uh, some really good ta- talent there. at 125. Um, it's very interesting. The uh, the setup for the journeyman was uh, pool play, so you don't wrestle everybody that's entered. You wrestle every other team in your pool, and then the winners from pool pool one and pool two from from A wrestle each other in the final. So I believe each wrestler wrestled four matches. Interesting. I kind of like that format. That's not that bad. It's a very, very good way to ensure you get some good matchups and ensure some of the top guys hit. Um, Tyler Medbury wrestled Tanner Hall from Arizona State there. Um, Medbury came away, I believe, with a 3-2 to two win. Um, good performance for Tanner Hall. Tanner Hall looks outstanding. Um, affectionately known as Sasquatch on the Penn State wrestling boards. Tanner Hall looks really, really good this year. Uh, okay. We've already seen um, what Medbury can do against Ty Walls. And Hall looked up in. He already has wins over um, Mike Krells of Minnesota. And I believe he has one more top 10 win that he picked up at the uh, at Dactronics up in uh, South Dakota. So it'll be interesting to see what Tanner Hall can do if he can make some noise there at 285. So some other Penn State news. Uh, Mason Manville, a class of 2016 recruit who is gracing this year at the Olympic Training Center out in Colorado Springs, I believe. He signed his letter of intent uh, for Penn State. Yeah, um, really interesting uh, situation there with Manville. Um, some people, myself included, weren't sure whether he was going to end up at Penn State given the weight classes and where everybody else is. But um, one of the things that kind of caught my eye was the Army ROTC hat that he had sitting next to him when he signed. He's going to be a part of the ROTC program at Penn State, and I think that's really uh, could be part of what drew him there. Um, not quite sure where Mason projects yet. It seems like it could be anywhere from 165 or 157 maybe even to 184. But um, good to get Mason on board. I'm not sure whether he's gray shirting and enrolling in January or completely deferring the year, in which case he would roll in the fall semester next year. But um, good to get just another really, really talented guy on board. And speaking of recruiting, uh, class of 2017 mega stud Dayton Fix, who most famously beat Spencer Lee last summer in the cadet team trials. Um, he is announcing on Wednesday, um, is it going to be Penn State? I can't say I'm optimistic. Um, always fun to bring up Dayton Fix and his wins because you get to bring up his loss to Nick Seriano. Shout out, Nick. Um, I think Dayton, um, who's an Oklahoma native, um, father wrestled for Oklahoma State, I believe, or has Oklahoma State tied. We'll end up at uh, OSU. Really, um, a credit to Dayton um, that we've gotten this far, and nobody really knows for sure. I think he handled the impro- the entire process very, very well. Took a lot of visits. Um, was very, very respectful throughout the process. Um, 
didn't really talk much, which I, I mean, I credit completely. Um, gave attention to a number of schools and really, really evaluated his options when a lot of people just assumed that he was going to shut it down and be Oklahoma State all the way. Yeah, but in, in, in his top five, like, Oklahoma State wasn't in it. What was what was the top five then? I I, I must not have seen. I mean, it, I I think it's changed since he, he he visited Oklahoma State again two weeks ago. But I remember reading on the message boards that like they weren't in his top five. Let me bring the information up again. I know going into the recruiting cycle that they were a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. And should he commit to anybody other than John Smith in Oklahoma State, I will be floored. I'm picking Penn State. I think he's going to Penn State. If he picks Penn State, uh, I said this when Brady Berge announced jokingly that uh, all of a sudden Big Ten programs were just stopping wrestling. They were cutting their programs. If Dave Fix picks Penn State, you might just see teams disappear because it's not... Oh, I screwed that up. My bad. I screwed that up with this top five. My bad. I was thinking of Berge's. So, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt you, but I screwed that up. Do we have a top five for Dayton? Do we know? Yeah, I, um, I do. Um, uh, Okie State, uh, Carolina, go Heels, uh, Penn State, Ohio State, and Nebraska. It's a really, really tough top five. Uh, good for Nebraska getting in there with Mark Manning. Um, really good for UNC getting in there with um, Coleman Scott. Coleman Scott's a fantastic job with that program. And now with Tony Ramos down there training, has um, – Really, some some strong appeal at the lower weight classes. Some some guys to work with. Uh, I think realistically, it's going to come down. You said Ohio State was in there. Yeah, I think you're going to see it come down to the, the three powers, the two OSU's and Penn State. Um, I wouldn't be upset if they didn't end up at Penn State, but I think be upset, I'd be thrilled. I think you know, you you have to be. I think the pragmatic approach right now is to expect him to end up in Oklahoma State and anything else is a very, very pleasant surprise. I'm going out on a limb. I'm picking Penn State. I'm, I'm homer in this one. Hey, from your lips. I've had, a, I've had a funny feeling about this. I think he wants to come here and beat Spencer. From Unless you? Spencer wants to flip still. Spencer. Hi, Spencer. Hey, I think Spencer signed his, uh, signed his letter of intent, so we might be in trouble there. But, um, did he sign it? He did. He was announced, I believe, officially on the Iowa Hawkeyes Twitter page. And I believe under the rules, you can't acknowledge a kid until he oh, signs. dang it, he did. So, um, again, big pickup there for Iowa. But, hey, I'm not going to be upset at all, as I said, if um, if Dayton Fix ends up at Penn State. And should he end up at Oklahoma State and wrestles 125, which I think he's more of a 133 pounder, or even a 141 at a time, if he can wrestle 125 for a year or two, I will be thrilled as a fan of the sport to watch him and Spencer and Nick Soriano go at it because those three are incredible, incredible wrestlers. Yeah, um, I'm still really sad about Spencer Lee. I remember exactly where I was when he announced for Iowa. Like, Exactly where I was, and it's 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 a horrific spot. Hey, as I said to you before, if we were going to have to have one man to uh, 
put up against Spencer and try to beat Spencer. Who I mean, he's beatable. We've seen we've seen Dayton Fix do it. We've seen Seriano do it a little while ago. Uh, it would be Nick Seriano, and I am more than happy to call Nick Seriano Penn State starter at one twenty-five. Yeah, um, I agree. Seriano is good, but I'm. I mean, I don't know. I'm greedy. I wanted Spencer, but all the best of luck to you with Spencer. I hope you have uh, three straight, uh, four straight second place finishes to Penn State kids. Hey, um, that's, a, that's the best we can wish. Yeah, yeah, that's as best as I can hope for you, Spencer. And then, and then win some golds for Team USA. Absolutely. Um, um, all right, that about does it here for this episode of the. Blackshoe Diaries, Matt Cast. Uh, Clay, any final thoughts? Nothing more. Uh, stay tuned Wednesday for Dayton Fix News. We'll probably uh, have something on that maybe, even if he ends up pleasing somewhere else. You may see something. Stay tuned to the BSD Twitter account, at BSD Tweet. Again, that's at BSD Tweet, so follow us there. Uh, check us out on Facebook at Blackshoe Diaries, and obviously always at BlackshoeDiaries.com. Follow Clay on Twitter at what C Sourteig, right? C Sourteig. That's C S A U E R T I E G P S U. And you can follow Garrett as always at Real Garrett Carr. Garrett, you want to give me more information? Yeah, Real Garrett Carr. The word Real Garrett, two R's, two T's, and then Carr like the wrestler, like the wrestling family from Ohio. C A R R. Um, yeah. Follow me on Twitter. I tweet a lot of good stuff. Mostly not. Um, all right. Uh, well, all right. Well, just don't check out my Twitter feed from last week. Um, um, all right. That's all we have for you today on this episode of Black Shoe Diaries. Matt Cast. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, take care. Uh, go state. Peace out. And stop. <laughs>